This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Crossed Up. Anthony Sanfilippo's here. I'm Bob Wankel, and we are coming to you on Wednesday, July 5th, day after the 4th of July, day after the Phillies get a great win down in Tampa Bay, 3-1 over the Rays. And a little bit of a different show here, Anthony. Uh, This Wednesday morning, we were able to talk over the weekend with Phillies catcher Garrett Stubbs. Uh, Phillies did a great job getting us in contact with him. And then, uh, you know, Garrett was, was unbelievable. Really, really gracious. Gave us 30 minutes of his time uh, on Saturday morning before the Phillies beat the Nationals over the weekend. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, we don't want to waste too much time. We'll get to it right away. But uh, he was just fantastic. He really was. No, he was, he was excellent, Bob. It was, a, it was a great interview. You, you learn a lot about him as a person to learn a little bit about this team um, and and really understand why he has become such a cultural icon <laughs> in the Philadelphia <laughs> sports land, landscape in a lot of ways. And dude, like he's just an everyday guy, right? I mean, one of the things that, like you know you were you were even saying afterwards, it was like you know this is a guy I'd hang out with. Is yeah. this a guy I'd like you know go sit at a bar with and have throw back a couple beers? Um, you, and you'll see why he's that way uh, in this interview. I thought it was a great interview. I'm, I'm looking forward to having everybody hear it. But, Bob, you're burying the lead. I mean, the Gary Stubbs interview is great. It's fantastic. It's going to be probably the title of the of the podcast episode today. But we went to bed on the 4th of July with the fireworks going right after the fireworks went off with the Phillies in a playoff spot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, that was the missing piece, right? We were talking about this run that they had in the month of June, and you kind of just felt a little bit. I don't know. Underwhelm's not the right word, but kind of like unfulfilled. You're like, you know, hey, listen, they, they made this great move, but they're still sitting two, three games out. And then it's kind of ironic, right? Like you have this weekend where you lose two out of three of the Nationals and you're pretty disappointed. But it was these past four days, really, where they were able to make that final little jump and get back into it with the San Francisco's. And, you know, the Dodgers lost again last night. Yeah. And you're looking up. You're only a game and a half behind them now. So Phillies do hold a playoff spot. They are very much in that mix. Uh, Atlanta finally lost a game, too, um, last night. But, uh, I mean, listen, you know, I, I think that they're in a really nice spot here. They have five games left before you get to the All-Star break, two more with the Rays. You'd love to see them win this series after getting the first one. And then, you know, go down and compete with the Marlins team that's played played over their heads, I think, to this point. But still, you're talking about a team that's 13 games over, and they've done a great job. I mean, they have far exceeded anybody's expectations. So, Phillies in a great spot right now, you know, and, and one thing I'll say about the Garrett Stubbs interview, which we're going to get to in one minute is you never know exactly how these things are going to go. And so he walks into the room and you kind of know right away, like he's got really good energy, you know, the deal with him, 
But he sits down and you get about two minutes into the interview and you know kind of like which direction you can take it. Like you want to talk baseball, you want to get to some serious stuff, you want to pick his brain about things that matter to the fans, but you also know that you can kind of keep it light and joke around. And and like that was what I really enjoyed about it because it wasn't like just – Hey, when you were five years old, did you know you wanted to be a major league baseball player? What do you think about the 2023 Phillies? We were able to hit on a wide range of topics, and, and he was really awesome with it. So Yeah, and the one thing I want to add to that before, we, before you hit the switch and flip over to it is the one thing that I took away right from the very beginning of that interview was you know, not only his, you know, his ease and comfort obviously talking to us and, and being, being willing to be like more lighthearted, but just – pretty quick you kind of got a sense of, of where this clubhouse is just yeah. by talking to him and it was like yeah there's a confidence in there there's a confidence in there right now and even when they have bad games even when they lose a series of the Nats like it not it's they're unfazed this is a confident confident team man and boy if they keep if they keep the pitching going the way it's been going uh as we say hello to the German shepherd uh, <laughs> um, uh, in the background. Um, yes. As soon as, if they keep the pitching going the where they're going, I, I think the Phillies can go, go pretty far, but we'll dive into all that uh, after we uh, give you the Garrett Stubbs interview that we recorded. Again, we recorded it on Saturday morning prior to the 19 to four victory. So they were coming off of a two, one loss to the Nats on Friday night, which was an ugly loss. Um, and you'll hear Garrett talk about that. Um, and then, of course, they went out and won 19-4. to Then, of course, they lose Sunday and then have a day off and they and they win the game uh, yesterday in Tampa. So just kind of give everybody a timeline perspective of when this interview took place. All right, so here's Garrett Stubbs, and then we'll be back uh, to uh, give some final thoughts on that interview and then talk a little bit about what we've seen uh, over the past few days with the Phillies. All right, so we have Phillies catcher Garrett Stubbs joining the show. Uh, first of all, man, I really appreciate you doing this uh, early on a Saturday morning, about six hours before a game, uh, so appreciate the time. Yeah, I'm here about this time anyways every day. So, <laughs> Are you really? I, mean, I know you guys aren't really called to like closer to 12. Yeah, no, I like getting here. Uh, like six hours is actually the mark that I try to go for. Okay. Obviously, if it's a 1 o'clock game, it gets shortened up. But <laughs> 4 o'clock, six, 6 hours. So you walk in the room. And we say, you know, thanks for doing this. We want to hit a bunch of different topics with you because, you know, Anthony says you're a media star in this town. And you kind of are taken aback by that. I have to tell you, like, you come in, I don't know anything about you, right? And, you know, hey, Houston, Prospect, the whole deal. You come here, you played for a couple of years there. And it's mid-June last year. Marlins, ninth inning, you go deep. The bat spike. And I go, this guy's a maniac. <laughs> and like, you know, and I'm like, look, I'm like, this, this guy is nuts. And I was like, this is awesome. And like the energy is just, it's through the roof. And we know, and we'll talk about it, like the playlist and all that stuff. But like, I mean, just from an intangible standpoint, I think like fans, they, they look at you and they go, this, this seems like a guy I want to hang out with. Like, this seems like a good dude. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, you, yeah, you say media, uh, whatever word you want to use afterwards, star or whatever. Uh, and it, it makes me chuckle uh, for sure, because, uh, you know, my whole life, you know, I grew up with my friends in San Diego and, you know, college, get new friends and pro ball and whatever. And uh, that's just me as my personality. And I, you know, I, I get drawn to people. Um, I really enjoy people. And uh, coming to the city, obviously you hear a lot of different uh, murmurs about what it's like. 
Um, most, most of them negative, to be honest. <laughs> you know, like they talk, about, yeah. Yeah, they talk about the fans being negative. Um, but, you know, I get here and uh, obviously we have the run that we did last year, but I think it probably started even before then. I um, mean, you, know, you talk about the bass bike um, and that day and whatnot, but I like being a nut. And I, I, and I enjoy coming in every day and bringing some energy, uh, bringing in a different, uh, you know, persona to the, to the stadium every day and making sure that, uh, guys are loose and having fun, and you know we we play a game for a living, yeah. and uh, you know that's the the old cliche, but I really do believe that, yeah. and I think that people in the stands, uh, and for us too, it's our lives, and for the fans too, it's their lives, and it and it really does impact the way that they go about their day, and so for us, um, it's all about winning, and we've been doing a pretty good job of that. Have you always been that way? I mean, even go back to when you were. A kid playing ball were you always like the the big exuberant personality yeah i think i've always uh taken on uh that persona my whole life you know i've always been undersized um and that's not to say that i haven't had the physical uh talent to play this game um but i've always you know wanted to be uh, a leader in the locker room or somebody to help just in other ways besides out on the field and you know i've been able to do that physically um you know from little league all the way not a professional baseball, but uh, I've always just enjoyed the game, uh, enjoyed having fun while I'm playing. And so I think I have uh, always, you know, taken on a, a small part of that. Or you mentioned being undersized. So since you brought it up, I'm going to ask. Yeah. Who the hell thought it was a good idea to put a guy your size as a catcher? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's something that's, you know, I've actually started to catch since I was 10 years old. And most of the most of the reason was just basically nobody else wanted to do it. And uh, I like being a part of every single play. Yeah. Uh, and so I started catching when I was 10. And, you know, if I were to guess that it would turn into what it is now, um, you know, you'd call me crazy. Right. And I would have never thought that I'd be in this position. But uh, it started when I was really young with a guy named Ed Herman who played in the big leagues yeah. uh, for the Royals and the White Sox. Um, and he was my catching coach my whole life. Um, phenomenal human being. And, uh, yeah, it's turned into this. And, uh, I think the cerebral part of it is a huge part of why I stayed in it. Um, I really enjoy the game within the game um, and having to think every single play uh, and being a part of every single play. So uh, the homework that we do off the field and what we bring onto the field, um, you know, me and JT love that part. Like sometimes you hear these like storylines about guys and like obviously the size thing always comes up with you. And like, is this something you kind of roll your eyes at and you're like, oh, great, we're going to do the I was undersized thing. Like I'm doing research on you, right? I'm like looking at the background and I'm like, USC, Johnny Bench Award winner, like, you're the best catcher in the country. And like people talk about the size. Like, is that real for you? Or you just kind of go, yeah, yeah, I'm undersized. I use it to my advantage. Like, or is, is that real like you know you you worked off of that you knew it you fed off of it yeah you know i definitely don't roll my eyes to it you know i look in the mirror every single day i know how i know how big i am and it it, it, it is kind of uh, uh surreal to me you know there's nobody else in the league uh that is as small as i am playing the position that i am or even as small as i am in the big leagues in general you know there's a there's a handful but uh i've definitely always tried to use it to my advantage um, you know, it's probably a little bit of the reason why I am the way that I am as far as uh, some, some of the uh, personality things as well as uh, really taking pride in the mental part of what we do every single day, which is not only the mental grind of playing 162 games and just 
actually being out here every single day and having to stay locked in, uh, but also just understanding the game and the different plays that will happen throughout a game. That's what I do on the bench. You know, I, I watch the game. And I think that uh, growing up, going to San Diego Padres games, I sat with my grandpa every single game. And it wasn't just to eat popcorn, hot dogs, and watch my grandpa uh, throw a few pops down. But uh, it was to watch the game and learn and watch from these guys out on, you know, a major league baseball field. And, you know, they make mistakes too. And so if I watch them make the mistake, you know, pretty good chance I don't make it myself if I'm, if I'm learning from it. So you go back, like, uh, I apologize. I wanted to stay on this real quick. So I, I, and people that listen to the show know I coached varsity baseball, high school level, head coach for five years. And guys always come in, like, I want to be D1. I want perfect game this, you know. So I'm I'm thinking about it. I've read some stories, and you're, like, saying you were, like, 5'2", 5'3", when you started high school. Like, when, so how did this translate for you? Like, did you know sophomore year, junior year, like, hey, you know what? Like, I am that guy. Like, I can go play. Power five school D one like like the guys come and like look at you as early as your freshman year your sophomore year like what did that evolution look like not at all man you talk about size <laughs> not even and I'll just I'll be honest with you like yeah there's a certain look of a D one athlete there's a certain feel that comes or the ball comes off the bat a certain way yeah and I'm thinking like man he must have been he must have been freaking lights out you know no. like, that's, that's what I'm looking at he, he must have been yeah no I. I, yeah, I was. I was five foot two, 100 pounds, if that. Maybe, you know, if it was raining outside and I was, had my full uniform on. So it wasn't, you know, something where I went in my freshman year. Uh, I was lucky enough to make varsity, so it wasn't like I had no talent or anything like that. But by no means was I going into high school baseball thinking, I, you know, I'm going to play in college. And then when I went to college, I'm going to play professional baseball. And then when I got to pro ball, I'm going to make it to the big leagues. You know, for me, it really was year by year. And I think that uh, now with how much travel ball there is and high school baseball, there's just so many different outlets to like perfect game and things like that. And these are all great things. It's a great way to get exposure. But uh, for me, I just took it one you know, year at a time and tried to be as good as I possibly could that year. And I think that you know, nowadays we think very far into the future, which once again is great. It's a way to prepare for you know, the possibilities that you could, you know, eventually get to. But there's also something to be said for just sticking to what you're good at right now and trying to be the best that you possibly can in that moment. And uh, I think that it's easy to say, uh, but I talked about going to baseball games and with my grandpa and, and watching the game and trying to learn from it. You know, I don't know if everyone really does that. And I, and I really made it my whole life. You know, I had other things that I did with my friends when it was in the summer. It wasn't like I only did baseball, but if I wanted to be the best at something, I made it everything yeah. and tried to do everything possible to be as good as I possibly can at whatever I was doing. And for this instance, it was, it was baseball. And a big part of that was the mental side and understanding the game. At what point did, were you first told, Hey, we're coming to look at you. Do you remember uh, when that was? Yeah, it was my senior year of high school. Okay, so college. it was okay. Yeah. I, oh, but not what I'm talking like pro scouts kind of. Uh, that would have been my junior year. You okay. know, for my freshman sophomore year, nothing. Uh, yeah. nothing. yeah, and I and I, it's not like I didn't play well. I played pretty well. I you know, people thought I was going to be an, a freshman All American my freshman year. Right. Um, but they didn't think that going in. You know, I promise right. you that. When I got there, I wasn't some big prospect high school kid that was coming to USC to you know, take over the program. 
you know, I just started that as soon as I got there and tried working towards making that program a winning program. And by the time I got to my junior year, we had our first winning record in five, six or five or six years uh, and then got to our first regional my senior year. And honestly, uh, you know, we're talking about a lot of personal things uh, as far as me and my ability and things that I've done. Uh, I've honestly just centered my whole entire being around winning. Yeah. And uh, I think if you do that, you're going to end up being the best player that you possibly can. And I think a lot of people focus on, you know, the the personal stats and I want to hit this and I want to uh, have these defensive stats. But at the end of the day, man, if, if, if you're out there and you're losing by one run and you go out there and you're like, oh, well, I, I need, you know, two more hits to get to 300 or I need one more homer to get to 15 homers and you lose the game. How good does that feel? Right. You know, not very good. Right. I, I feel like you're, you're kind of like unique, though. I mean, like so going through the bios and stuff like you led the Pac-12 and sacrifice bunts one year. I mean, as a, as a catcher, like that's, that's unique. Like, so if you're that high profile and you're being, you know, you're being looked at by pro scouts, you're stealing bags, you're, you're dropping sack bunts. Like, is that something like that from a program standpoint, they said, we need you to do this. Or do you just say like, I'm going to be that guy. Like it almost seems to me like very little here, just listening to you talk a little bit that I've read. It just seems like you're kind of like this guy that's like, you know what, like I can play, I have talent, but it's it's going to be about the energy. It's going to be about intangibles. It's going to be about doing what it takes to win. Like that just kind of seems to be your whole, like for the lack of a better word, vibe, I yeah. guess. Like that's, and, that's, and that's how it comes off. Yeah, and that's, and that's I take a lot of pride in that. And no, that wasn't something that the program, uh, you know, infused into me because I actually got yelled at one time. I can remember we were playing UCLA at Dodger Stadium and there was a runner on third. And we were, uh, it was first and third, and we were losing by one run. And I put a bunt down, and the runner scores, and the and runner at first gets to second. And I come into the dugout, and our coach is like, "What? What are you doing? I didn't, I didn't tell you to bunt." And I was like, "Well, we just scored a run to tie the game, and now there's a runner in scoring position." And I had uh, Jeremy Martinez hitting behind me, and I'm, you know, now I got an opportunity for Jeremy to score the winning run. He's like, "I need you to swing away there." so that you can get on base and then we can start a bigger inning. And I, you know, I hear that, you know, that's my coach trying to score more runs, but in my head, I'm thinking, I'm going to tie the ball game up, give us a chance. And then I trust Mark Jeremy behind me to score that run. And so, no, it wasn't something that, that <laughs> was just yeah. program, program, you know, college baseball, sacrifice bunts and all that. I just, you know, in my position, when I, whatever that was, I just, whatever I thought was the best chance for us to score a run. That's kind of what I went after. You talk about that winning mentality. And I think it's, I think it's worth bringing up this current team because you guys went through the same start two years in a row. Then June turns around and you guys get going. Right. And we sit there and we talk and we got to break down every game and we got to sit here and we overanalyze. The hell you probably say all oh, ton of stupid yeah. shit. <laughs> you guys are rolling your eyes at on these guys, man. We're overanalyzing everything. But like, do you guys most look at it and be like, we say, how do they, how do they flip a switch? Is it just, is it just something that's that easy? You got you guys bored at the beginning of the year and like, all right, now we're just going to build it up to the time of year when we have to be playing our best. Like, how do, how do you go from being so inconsistent to? incredibly consistent yeah it, we have a roster of 26 guys right yeah. and it's not 26 that we use all year we used i think we used 44 or no, i think it was more than 44 guys I think yeah. it was almost 60 guys 
last year throughout the season, right? You yeah. have guys that get hurt. You got guys that get traded. You get new guys that come in. Anyway, my point in saying that is that when you start a season, you get four weeks in spring training to get a feel for everybody, get a feel for the locker room, get a feel for what Topper wants to do if you're a new player. Uh, and we have a lot of the same guys that came back from last year, which we're very fortunate to, to have. That's not right. the case on a lot of teams. You know, a lot of guys have a lot of turnover. Uh, but, you know, starting the season, you're kind of getting a feel for what kind of vibe we're going to have. And, you know, we can all, you know, lean on 2022, but in reality, this is 2023. Right. We have new players. We're going to be playing new teams. There's going to be new players in, uh, for the Braves. There's going to be new players for the Mets, you know, that all around the division in the league. And sometimes it just takes a little bit to get used to what's going on inside our locker room as well as the different teams around the league. You know, the Pirates started out hot as anybody. And who would have thought that? Right. Some people were saying, you know, this is a new Pirates team. This is the team that's going to, you know, you know, break this uh, slow rut that they're in to get in the playoffs again. And they've slowed down. Yeah. And, you know, not to pick on the Pirates, but that's just kind of how baseball goes, right? right? You have these streaks where you get really hot, you get really cold. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a Philly thing to start cold in April and May <laughs> and get the fans all riled up for us to have a big comeback here at the end. But, uh, and I think it's just a part of getting used to the guys in the locker room, getting used to the other teams around the division and the league. And uh, sometimes you just run into some bad luck too. And I felt like we were playing some, some good baseball. We were also playing some bad baseball. And sometimes you need some of those, uh, you know, poor decisions and poor games to, once again, learn from them and be able to grow from them. Or you can, you know, kind of get in that rut and just get swallowed by all this negativity. But I think with the guys that we have in this locker room, you know, we we see the bad games and whatnot. And it's just a bad game and we'll get over it and learn from it and be better in the future. I, I got to ask. So, um like, I know you're on Twitter. I know a lot of guys are on Twitter. Like, you see, like, sports talk radio, post-game shows. I mean, you guys are in a clubhouse, not like you're watching the, the post-game show right away or anything. But, like, you know what the reaction is, right? Like, last year it was kind of like us, same old Phillies. Then they get hot. Everyone goes crazy. The city's on fire. You know, one of the best fan bases in baseball when, when the team wins, all that stuff. And then this year, it's like, see, they're, they're stuck in the past. It's, they can't get over the headlines from last year. They can't get up to play these games in April. All this is kind of like an example of the talking points of people like us, you know, media people, whatever. How much of that do you guys, like, do you take that stuff in? I'm sure every player is a little bit different, but, like, do you read that stuff? Do you hear it? Do you go, these guys are idiots? Like, <laughs> like how, how much of like, you know, yeah, I need to be honest. Tell us where it is. I, like, I can't even imagine right now in 2023. Like, I'm pretty measured. Like, I have I'm, – I'm around here sometimes. I've been in the, in the clubhouse. And I'm like – I grew up as a Phillies fan, though, right? And so sometimes, like, like a game like last night happens. And I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. And, and, so, like, do you guys, like – do you see what fans are saying? Do you hop on Twitter? Do you react to that stuff? Like, how do you do it in 2023 being a professional athlete? Yeah. I, do we hear it? Do yeah. we see it? Do we feel it? No doubt. We got booed off the field last night after our <laughs> two to one game against the Nationals. And after an 18 and seven month, I promise you, and I promise you, we are booing ourselves. We don't want to lose yeah. any games. Doesn't matter if it's against the best team in baseball, the hottest team in baseball, or the worst team in baseball. We want to lose zero games. So do we hear and see it? Yes. Do we react to it? Uh, no, absolutely not. And if we did, we would end up just succumbing to, 
you know, negativity and all these things that would end up suppressing the team as a whole. He's like, I'm an, I'm an insecure guy. So if I'm you, <laughs> right. And I'm over three or whatever, I'm going through a slump, like the phone is out and yeah, I'm, like, I'm Twitter I, searching my name. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> I'm in the shower. I'm yeah. crying. You know? yeah. I, 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 hey, if you're insecure uh, in this game and can't handle some negativity from either fans or media or whatever, you won't be around for very long, yeah. you know? You go out there every single day, and once again, we got booed off the field last night from 45,000 people who are probably now not even excited for fireworks after the game <laughs> because we had just lost, right? Yeah. And like you said, we had just come off a great gym, a phenomenal gym, yeah. and we just swept the Cubs in Chicago and come back to the Nationals. We landed at last night at 3 a.m. We come out slow. We only score one run, and, you know, the, we came out – yesterday planning to win that game we didn't think we were going to score one run but you know you look at the, the month we had and the schedule and you know once again the the, the travel and all that a lot of road games are right on here like, you know what we lost a game yeah you know and it's not a who cares right we're pissed off we don't want to lose that game because at the end of the season when you're looking at a one division one game division or wild card or whatever you're like how the hell did we lose to the Nats in June uh, to end the month, two to one when Sanchez gives us a great outing. Yeah, and so you can go and do that, you know, at the end of the season. And so you know that when you're losing games right now. Yeah, but you, yeah, you can't just you got another game today, so you can't just think about the fact that you lost this game. You get over it. You know, you sulk in it that night. You know, we're in the kitchen. It's quiet. There's no music playing in the locker room. Everyone's pissed off. Uh, but then you come in today and you just got to win today. Yeah. You got to forget about, forget about yesterday. Um, part of the resurgence for this team this year, I think probably the biggest reason has been the pitching staff. I mean, they've been fantastic in, in this month. Starters, relievers, relievers have been great for a long time, but starters really turned it on in June. W what are you seeing different? I mean, you're working with these guys cl closer than anybody, you and JT, closer than anybody. Like, what are you seeing different in these guys? guys? What is, what is, what is what kind, is kind of, of starting to now in June, June that wasn't maybe there earlier in the year? Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to what I was talking about with spring training and yet four weeks. And I think, you know, it's not that guys weren't ready, but sometimes it takes a little bit to get rolling. You know, you get – we just came off of a World Series for one. And, you know, I was lucky enough to be in Houston for uh, two World Series and a CS in 2020. And I'll tell you, man, it's hard to come off of a November run with all that energy and then come back three months later, four months later, and start it all over again. You know, you, it's not like you're thinking about last year, but damn, man, when you come into the stadium after knowing what it was like in the stadium in the World Series and the DS and the CS and the wild card the year prior, it's a lot different. And it takes a little bit of getting used to and guys were tired, man. You play into November and you come back the next year and start it all over again with a short off season. It's hard to get going again. And I think it just took a little bit for, uh, you know, guys' arms to feel better. I think it took a little bit for the energy to come back into guys. Uh, as well as, you know, Taiwan comes on to this team this year. And I know he had a slow start and everyone was talking about it. And, you know, is this guy going to be who we thought he was and all that kind of we stuff? We talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I probably, yeah, keep I keep probably, it real. I probably saw it. <laughs> and he comes out in June and he absolutely dominates. I mean, yeah. he might yeah. get pitcher of the month. Him or Ranger. One of the, yeah. You know, one it's got to be. Yeah. And some of that is coming into spring training and 
you know, needing to get the reps. Another part of it is you're on a new team. You know, me and JT don't know everything that you want to do. We watch a ton of video. We go through a ton of analytics to understand what Taiwan wants to do, what we think that he should do to get better and things like that. And it takes a little bit to, you know, get that flow going between me and Taiwan, JT and Taiwan and understanding what we need to do to win games. And so I think we saw what we can do here in June and we plan to just continue that. I got a couple quick ones. If you ahead, don't yeah, get too much of your time here. Um, we got to get to the fun stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, so favorite, uh, <laughs> let's see here. Favorite pitcher to work with all time Oof. that someone, you know, watching might know. It doesn't have to be a Philly. Uh, it's going to be a Philly. I've had, the, I've had the most, <laughs> I've had the most fun playing baseball my entire life. Uh, here. playing for this team, yeah. you know, I mean, a college is an unbelievable time to play baseball. It's just a, a different vibe. Cape, Cape Cod league had to be kind of fun. Cape right? fun. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, last year with coming here was the most fun I've ever had playing baseball. Uh, I got to say working with Aaron Nola is, is phenomenal. Uh, it's fun to work with a guy who does his homework. And Aaron's one of those guys who, you know, does his homework on the other team. He also has, a plethora of options, which is fun. You know, yeah. like you watch the game that Ranger and I had in Chicago and it felt like everything was working and I'm sitting back there, like feeling like I can call anything, but then you have to call the right one. Right. right. And working with Aaron feels like that basically every time we go out there, you know, obviously he has one of the best curveballs in baseball, um, but he's got command like nobody else in the game. And, in today's game, it's all about stuff, right? Guys just have 100 mile an hour heaters with a disgusting slider, and they're trying to throw it right down the middle and hope the guy swings and misses. Aaron's much more meticulous and kind of, you know, paints a picture out there. Uh, it feels like more like artwork when you're working with Aaron, and I, I have a lot of fun. He's also just one of the best human beings uh, and friends that you can have. So uh, working with a competitor like that out there is, is a lot of fun. Um who I, I obviously everybody's following your playlist everybody's following it in philadelphia but this year we we're starting to see some new songs get added in is that all you or does somebody else have this somebody else in that room have a little bit of say you know or, are you just adding it on you're just the how, administrator? How you become the playlist <laughs> What's the story? well it, everyone has a say yeah. uh we you know me and veerling last year called it dj democracy <laughs> so it was it's basically just a plethora of guys that uh enjoy different kinds of music like yeah. you go through it it's a pretty eclectic mix i, I gotta be honest i was looking through it this morning music, yeah, yeah. right and that's kind of what makes yeah. it fun you never know what's gonna pop on on the playlist uh you know I, well there wasn't any designated you know stubs you're gonna start doing music i think it happened in like the middle to later part of the year last year where I got a hold of the speaker and we started winning a few games and uh, the dancing on my own song obviously came uh, and created a lot of fun vibes <laughs> and, and people around the city really drew to that. Uh, but I don't think people even knew that there was a playlist until the playoffs last right, year. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Alex coffee, uh, tweeted me walking over to the uh, iPad and changing a song and said that I was doing the music. And next thing I know, the playlist that we have been playing for the last few months after uh, after wins starts getting, you know, 2,000 likes or- Yeah, I think there's 5, like 21,000 likes. There's 20,000 people that follow yeah, this playlist. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, it was actually, it was called, the playlist was called something else before, and I had to change the name because it was inappropriate. And so I was like, I had no idea people were going to be looking at this thing. And, you know, there's yeah. other inappropriate songs that are on there, and I got nine-year-old kids listening, <laughs> yeah, yeah. listening to Some nine-year-olds uh, coming home to mom yeah. talking about Dick Down and Dallas. I, exactly. Yeah. And I get tweets all the time from people being like, my mom let me listen to the playlist, but only a few songs because I, you know, I can't listen to all of them. Yeah, that's awesome. And I just think it's really fun. I think it's fun for the fans yeah. uh, to be a part of what we're doing in the locker room and out on the field. And I know the city really enjoys it. Because like I said, man, people live and die from Philly sports and, and we do too. And so the playlist kind of makes things a little bit lighter, a little bit more fun. And they know that we're listening to the locker room uh, after wins. And so they can be a part of that. So is there a discussion though on a, on a song getting added? Is there like a group discussion? Yeah. You know, there's, there, there's no group discussion, but like people, you know, people in the no, locker room like different songs. Yeah. And uh, last year, uh, you know, Dixieland delight got added yeah. uh, late when uh, D Rob got added to our roster. We, when we traded for him and that was just an Alabama thing. Right. And so, uh, different songs just get added and people really liked Dixieland delight. And so I think I played it after his first save as a Philly. And then it just ended up being the like third or fourth song that now we play, uh, after wins. Uh, but it just kind of happens that way. Right. And it's still the third or fourth song that comes on whether D Rob's here or not, because <laughs> people just like it. Uh, and great. something, you know, else might come up, come about and get added, and added whatnot, and whatnot based, based on who's in the locker room. Um, but, but I like everyone being included and feel a part of it. And everyone is a part of it, whether you're playing every day or not playing every day. And so, uh, you know, that, things like that just get added so that, you know, you know, there's a little bit more personality. And there's a lot of different personalities that are uh, that become a part of that playlist. You got anything yeah, outside, of, outside, outside of music, outside of baseball. What else do you like to do? Is there is there other hobbies you have and then tied into that? When you have some downtime, you streaming anything good or something people should be watching? Yeah, I mean, my time in San Diego, I grew up in San Diego, and so I would, I, I was a beach bum, man. Yeah. I, every summer I was on the beach, you know, it was an easy way for my parents to just say, you know, go do whatever. It cost them zero, zero dollars for me to go down to the beach and surf and yeah. hang out with my friends and whatnot. Uh, now I live in Phoenix, uh, and you know, most of my life is just hanging out with my friends, drinking, watching football. Uh, I'm honestly just like any other dude. You uh, uh, you want to be friends? Or? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, honestly, like, and, I, and most of my friends that I go back to in Phoenix and San Diego aren't baseball guys. Yeah. You know, and uh, some of them were like, you know, we played high school baseball together or whatnot. But, you know, a lot of them are have nothing to do with baseball anymore. And we just like watching football. Uh, drinking, partying, going out to the bars on the weekends. Uh, I'll, I'll do all my training Monday through Friday, but I'm just like anybody else. When the when Friday hits, laptop closes, and let's go have some fun going out to doing whatever. So and and you blend in, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> once again, five foot nothing, hundred nothing pounds. No one expects anything from from me to be anything special. So yeah, I go out to the bars in Scottsdale and just enjoy myself. Are you a fantasy life. football? Guy? Yeah, we have a fantasy football league in the locker room um, that good? I'm a part of. Uh, last year, me and Veerling, uh, we're in playoffs, but I've never won the league. Okay. And, you know, maybe that's a testament to my lack of ability. But <laughs> uh, once again, regardless, uh, I'm a, 
you know, I'm a good shit talker. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a I'm a good. I like to Part stir. Of the way, really. I mean, I'm, I like to stir it up yeah. in the in the uh, group text messages, uh, and that's kind of what I live for. You that's know? awesome. Whether I win the league or not, I just like to stir it up with the boys uh, and and make it fun. That's fun. And so, is there anything you're watching? Anything good to watch? I was a big Ted Lasso fan oh, awesome. when we were yeah, watching that show, man. Yeah. I, 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 I watched Ted Lasso and see his vibe, and I'm like, that's the vibe that I go for when we're yeah. playing throughout the year is just, you know, we lose, we win or we lose. Obviously, we always want to win and we play to win. But like we talked about, you know, yes, you soak in it for that night, but then you come in the next day and you're like, well, we got to win today because we lost yesterday or whatever. Let's go on a new streak. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I loved Ted Lasso, and I thought, I and I thought that the, the finale was a French kiss, man. No doubt, I, French. Yeah, no doubt. Wow. It's hard. It's no, hard season to four, right? Yeah. Yeah. Are you season yeah. four guy? I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what. I have French kiss. We yeah. edit that. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it got weird for me. Yeah, that, I, I'm good with it, and in the way it did. If there was more Ted Lasso, yeah. I'd also be bought yeah. in on that yeah. too. But yeah. uh, it's hard to end TV shows, and I thought they did a great job. I'm a big fan. All right, last one for me. Baseball, baseball ends whenever it ends. So this will be the last question. I'm listening to you talking. I don't know if you want to be a professional motivational speaker. I don't know if you want to be a coach. I don't know if you want to be a media guy. I know you have a real estate background, apparently. What do you? What's what's in the cards here? I don't know, man. I you know I I would like to put my finger on it and tell you exactly what I'm do, going to do when baseball ends. Uh, you know, one of the things is is it going to end tomorrow or is it going to end in ten years? And that's a big question for anybody in this game because I, I go out there and I play like it's the last time that I'm ever going to play this damn game, and I hope it never is. But obviously, one day it will be. Uh, I do some speaking in the off season. I, I there's a guy. His name's Soli, and he has a show called Big Biz. And I went on it this this last offseason, had some fun with him. Uh, his now wife uh, is one of the higher-ups in a huge company that does uh, medical capsules. So nothing that I know anything about. But I went on Zoom, and I had a, you know, a little talk with her and her team just about you know the struggles that you can go through in business and relating it to what we do out here in baseball. So... You know, you mentioned most motivational speaking, you mentioned real estate, you mentioned baseball. I don't know if it'll be coaching. I don't know if it'll be managing. I don't know if it'll be something completely outside of baseball. Um, but whatever it is, uh, I think my my personality and, and the things that I've learned from this game will end up taking over in whatever it may be uh, post-baseball. And I know it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I have a feeling that there's going to be some people from our business who are going to reach out to you and be like, yeah, I got we should stick a microphone in front yeah. of you. you know, and, I, and, I, and I think that there'll be there'll be a, a big part of me that will want to do a bunch of different things yeah. uh, all at once. I'm like ready to flip this table right so, now. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's do it. Yeah, and I, and I'm bought in on all of it. So yeah, I don't great. know if it'll just be one thing. Maybe it'll be a, a basket of a bunch of different things that, that we'll uh, put together. Awesome. Garrett Stubbs, thanks for joining us here on Cross yeah, Stuff. I really appreciate really it. Really do appreciate your time. Um, best of luck to you, and we'll catch up with you down the road. Appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks a lot. All right, once again, that was Garrett Stubbs, Philly's catcher. We learned a lot there, I think, like you said, about uh, the clubhouse, the way that these guys are sort of operating right now, the confidence that they have. We learned a little bit about the uh, playlist and uh, DJ Democracy and uh, we learned what it's like to, to be a little, uh, you know, after a, after a game, a tough game, what it's like to be on Twitter and, and kind of have to hear all the noise and what they're saying on NBC Sports Philly post game and 
how do they how do they digest all of that? So, uh, like I said, it was a really great interview, and uh, really appreciate both uh, the Phillies and uh, Garrett Stubbs uh, for making it happen. I, I, Anthony, I don't know before we move on if you have any other final thoughts that you want to hit on with it, or you want to just jump into the baseball thing here. Look, I, I think the guy, I mean, he's 30 years old, right? I mean, he's probably going to have a few more years left in the, in the big leagues before his, his career comes to a close. Um, I, I think he needs to be doing what we do, Bob, ultimately. I think he needs to be talking about the game, talking about the sport. I think he'd be fun. And I'm not certain. I mean, look, he'd be great in Philadelphia. Obviously, people would love him here. But I think his he's so good, so gregarious, so entertaining. I think he'd fit on a national platform, in all honesty. Yeah, I mean, listen, I have no doubt that that he's more than capable of doing it. Um, I mean, for a guy that doesn't do it, he seemed pretty natural doing it the other day. And we had a little bit of a weird setup. I mean, we were in person, but we're sitting across the table from him and he's looking at one laptop with a microphone. We're looking at another laptop with a microphone. I mean, it was not the most natural of setups. And, uh, you know, there was none of that awkwardness as we were sort of going through it so i mean yeah, unfortunately, you, unfortunately we weren't able to have craig down there with us and craig would yeah. you know our video guy and he would normally be you know doing a video of it which would have been a whole different conversation right we would have been on one camera um basically doing it with craig videoing it and we weren't, weren't able so we had a kind of a you know simple tech setup that I, only i could come up with <laughs> right i mean that's the best i could do hey, it worked right it got it done. <laughs> So, I mean, I was a little bit skeptical when you described it to me, but uh, we got down there and I was like, oh, yeah, this does work. Okay. Yeah, it does work. Uh, but the, the, the thing I want to get to is, is that I, I've in my in my time covering pro sports, mostly hockey, I've always come across athletes who I knew were going to be successful or could be successful um, talking about the game. And Garrett Stubbs reminds me a lot of, I'm going to make a hockey comparison, but reminds me a lot of Brian Boucher, who, if you follow hockey or watch any hockey, as you know, he's an analyst on ESPN now, um, used to work for NBC before that. Um, but he broke into it, um, you know, coming off of his playing career and literally knew, I knew, you know, five years before he was retired, we used to talk and be like, dude, this is your career when you're done. Like, you don't have yeah. to, do, you don't have to going to coaching, being a goalie coach or anything like that. You don't have to go find work outside of hockey. Your career is going to be in front of a microphone, in front of a camera. And he's fantastic at it. He's excellent. Um, and, you know, he was he was excited, you know, even then as a player. He's like, yeah, I don't know, maybe someday, you know, I thought about it. But I think Garrett Stubbs is that kind of guy. And, you know, you see it. The, the only difference with Stubbs is this. He's so cerebral. And he's such a, he's such a, a, a you know, he's such a, a, a gym rat, and for lack of a better term for the sport of baseball, um, that he and very well may end up doing coaching. Yeah, you kind of, you kind of beat me to it. I, I mean, I see, I see what you're saying with the media stuff, but I look at him and go, man, not only just kind of studying the game knowing the game, being able to think through it, but that energy. And I think what that would look like uh, as a leader, uh, you know, whether it is a manager or a positional guy or, or what have you, I mean, that that's the kind of guy I think you get in a room with and you kind of want to run through a wall a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's, I think it's just, do you want to take that on as a lifestyle? Because that's a, a totally different lifestyle of being mm-hmm. an analyst. It's one thing to stand in a studio after the game with your baseball glove on and, and tell everybody what everyone else is doing wrong. Yes, that was intentionally described that way. Um, 
And it's another thing to be on the road and go through the grind and, and have the up and downs. And, you know, I, I think that just really becomes what, what do you want it to look like? And he could go a lot of different, a lot of different directions. We talked about on the podcast, he has a real estate background from USC. I mean, he, he could go into business. He could be a motivational speaker if he wanted to. So I'm very kind of curious to see how his post playing career shakes out, but uh, there's no question. He's going to have quite a few options on the table. Yeah, he's an ideal backup catcher. You wouldn't want it any other way. One of the other things that he uh, talked about, and this will be a nice transition for us, Bob, is you asked him a question that I found um, intriguing. Because if, when you first asked it, I was like, he's going to talk his way out of this. But then he gave us a direct answer. Mm. And it was a pretty good answer. And then it kind of leads into you know what happened down in Tampa yesterday. You said his favorite. You asked him who his favorite pitcher to work with is. And he talked about Aaron Nola. He mm-hmm. talked about just his preparation and what goes into it and everything. And he could have picked anybody on this team. He could have picked anybody from Houston, from his time in Houston. I mean, he worked with Garrett Cole when he was down there, right? I mean, so he could have picked any number of pitchers. I mean, you even gave him an option to pick up somebody from college. I mean, he could have gone anywhere. And he picked Nola. And, you know, he talked everything about what goes into an Aaron Nola start. And, man, was there an Aaron, was there an Aaron Nola start yesterday in Tampa Bay where he took the, the second-best offense statistically. I, I still have questions about this offense, but the st- the second best offense statistically in baseball and just basically shut the door on them, dominated them until the home run in the eighth inning was a solo shot. But at that point it was like, it was at, a, at pitch 104 and um, he had struck out 12 and had only given up what four hits prior to that. And uh, really, really just carried the Phillies in another game where the offense wasn't great. Um, but they beat the Rays three to one to, to jump into that playoff spot. Yeah, his curveball yesterday was so good, and then he's able to pair. Like we talk about the the velocity, and okay, he doesn't throw ninety seven, ninety eight, but when you're locating that curveball, when it has that type of bite, like you saw what he was able to do up in the zone with the fastball yep. yesterday. I mean, he was consistently beating Rays hitters late in counts with the fastball, and like that's the start that you look at. Probably the best start he's had all year. I know he had the gem against uh, Houston back in late April. I know that he took a no-hitter deep against the Tigers. I mean, okay, that's wonderful. But you watched him throw yesterday. He said, "This this is Aaron Nola at his best. And... You know, you start to look forward, and you talked about it at the, at the very beginning of the show. Like the Phillies hold a playoff spot right now. The thing that kind of gets you excited about that game in particular is because you said it. Phillies didn't hit again yesterday, but that to me is what a playoff. That's what a playoff game looks like. That's what a playoff game yep. feels like. That's the way it unfolds. It's you scrape out a couple runs, and then you need great starting pitching, and then you have to ask one or two guys in the bullpen at the end of the game to, to hold it down, like. To me, that's the formula. That game sort of reminded me a little bit of the uh, Cardinals game in the uh, the wild card round, the game two, the Saturday night game where they advanced. It had that same type of not a lot of offense, a lot of NOLA, shut the door late. And we haven't seen that. And y- you know that he's still been solid this year. He's been a little up and down. But that yesterday was like a reminder almost, hey, it's the 4th of July. It's time now. And man, like he delivered. And one of the things I had tweeted out, because I'll be honest with you, I, I watched the game, but I was at a barbecue, like living, living my life yesterday. Um, I, I just said, you know, there's this idea that oh, he's really cost himself some money, not, not getting this deal done. Um, I, someone's going to pay him. You know, I mean, like, it's just, I don't know what the number is. I'm not telling you it's 225. But this idea that he's he's cost himself tens of millions of dollars this season, uh, it's just not true. Uh, and it starts like yesterday that, that kind of tell you why. Yeah, and it's more more than anything else, Bob. It's it's the fact that 
the guy goes out and throws more innings than anybody in baseball. He's never hurt, right? I mean, he's he's never getting blown out of a game. I mean, he's he has had blow up innings, but he he finds a way to kind of keep your team in the game when he's not at his best. And then when he's at his best, he's yesterday, right? He's as good yeah. as he is. So I think that money is going to come. The question is, will it come from the Phillies? And you know, I do believe from being down there and listening to conversations and talking to a couple people that that is still a priority for the Phillies. Like this is not just we didn't get it done before the season. He's going to walk away and somebody else is going to give him that money. The Phillies are going to be involved, actively involved, and they are going to push to, to re-sign Nola. Now, will it happen? We don't know, but they are going to be they're going to be involved and want to, and they do want to bring him back. The question that I think is going to be you know, the term, the money, whatever it ends up being, because they were not close apparently before the season began. And maybe they, they find a way to, you know, both sides find a way to get it in their heart to say, you know what, this is where we want to be. And this is where it's going to work the best. Um, and, 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 you know, even if it means the Phillies giving up a little bit more or Nolan and his uh, representatives coming back just a little bit, I think it's going to, there, there is a middle ground that the Phillies are willing to get to, to, to keep him around. Um, and and the, the, you're right about the curveball. I wanted to talk about that just a little bit because I felt like the Wander Franco situation is throughout the game was indicative of of Nola kind of when he's at his best and maybe when he's not at his best. He got Franco out early on curveballs, mostly down and in. Mm-hmm. He got Franco chasing that curveball like Franco was just so off balance, and then Franco hits the solo homer off him in the eighth. And that curveball was a hanger, and it not only just hung, but it hung out over the plate. Look, if you if you throw that curveball and you miss your miss in a little bit on the inner half, he probably doesn't crush it for a home run. It probably is. It could be. It's probably a hit or something. You know, it's, it's probably a good ball to swing at because you hung it. But at the same time, leaving it out over the plate is what makes it a home run. And I think that's been his obviously one of his weak points this year is the sense that, you know, he still gives up the home runs um, because he that he doesn't able to have that bite on that breaking ball or he throws a pitch that's a little bit, you know, a little bit out over the plate or not in the right spot. And and I think that that's a situation where you got to sit there and say, look, okay, look, I'm not going to complain. It's one pitch in a game where he was fantastic and you know he only gives up the one run anyway against a really good team but that's the thing that you say if there's something still left to clean up for Aaron Nola it's that it's it's knowing that you got to get you've got to make your pitches whereas maybe in the past he's been able to get away with some pitches it seems like he's not getting away yeah, with it this I, year. I looked at it yesterday, and I think obviously I have the benefit of knowing that they won the game and they were holding a multi-run lead I'm okay with a, a solo home run. Well, so am I. Yeah. A multi-run. Like, I'd rather see a solo home run in that spot than him walk two guys back-to-back trying to be too fine. Agree. But I agree to your the larger point that because it's been a pattern, because it's something that we've seen here for a few months now, yeah, it's like the latest example of it and a reminder that it needs to be cleaned up. In a, in a vacuum, though, of the game itself, I say, okay, yeah. I have no issue with that whatsoever. And it, it's also almost having the benefit of being a couple of days out from that national series because, you know, listen, they lose two out of three to Washington. And I actually got a couple of messages on Twitter uh, Monday morning. People were disappointed that we didn't record because they were, they, they wanted to hear us kind of rough up the Phillies for a, a bad weekend. And easy for me to say now after a win against the Rays to open the series, but I probably would not have done that. Uh there's no doubt. I mean, I, I tweeted, it was a bad series. Losing the Nationals at home, even with Washington playing a little bit better lately, 
it's, it's no good. You look at what they did on Saturday, 19 runs. That's great. But again, Friday, Sunday, two for 16 runners in scoring position, a million chances to win the game on Friday night, a million chances to win the game on Sunday. Very, very frustrating games. Uh, that being said, you, I think you have to, you have to sort of take a deep breath here a little bit and look at where they were. And if you were a frustrated fan on June 2nd, after they got swept by the Mets, I'd say, yeah, like that to me, that's valid. Getting swept by the Mets up in New York. That's, that's no good. And being six, seven games under 500, that's no good. You have to look at where this team's been the last four or five weeks though, and say, okay, bad series. It's not the end of the world. Right. And, and I think that they're, they proved that yesterday. Now, I don't know, maybe they lose the next five games and limp into the all-star break. I have no idea, but just everyone, yeah. Just relax a little bit. And the one, playoffs right now. Yeah, the one thing the one thing that that I think is is easiest way to describe it, Bob, exactly what you're saying is this. Earlier this year, when things were going bad and everybody was really frustrated with the team, when they would lose a game, like either Friday night or Sunday, it it led to multiple losses. Yeah. Like there were there was one bad game after another bad game, and then you find that you're in a four game, five game, six game losing streak, and it's like, what the hell with this team, man? Ever since then. Whenever they've lost, they found a way to get out of it pretty quickly and get back into the winning side. And so that's the difference. So you look at Friday night and you say, man, that was terrible. But then they come out with 19 runs on Saturday. Then you look at Sunday and you're like, oh, my God, could they have had worse approaches at the plate with runners in scoring position than they had on Sunday? I mean, with three ground ball double plays in a row, sixth, seventh, eighth inning, it kind of killed the game. No, it was terrible. It was a bad loss. But then they bounce back the next game Tuesday and beat the Tampa Bay Rays. So, like that, those things are, you know, are there still frustrating? Are there still things to be concerned about? The runners in scoring position thing is a, is a thing. Um, how they swing the bat with with runners in scoring position is is beyond me. And we can, you know, look at four or five different examples from the weekend and say, my God, what were they thinking in that moment? But the reality is, like you're saying, yes, they find a way to come to just, you know, flush that bad outing flush that bad series and come back out and win now like you said could they lose their next five going into the all-star break sure they could do i think they're going to i don't i really don't i you know like i'll tell you that th this is why i don't think that i think that first and foremost i think tampa is a really good team with great pitching i don't love their lineup i know they hit a bunch of home runs but i don't love their lineup I think that that's I think it's a lineup that if you have good, that good pitching can handle. Okay. And so that's that's number one. So I'm not saying they're gonna sweep the sweep the Rays, but you better you better win but, you better win tonight then. I mean Christopher Sanchez has done a nice job this season, but that's a different that's a that's a step up. So Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear yeah. you. And then and then the Marlins. I, you know, I know that you you're, yeah, you're Anthony hates the Marlins. Everyone, just so you know, the Marlins are on top of the, ten games under. They're terrible. No, I don't think they're going to finish ten games under. But I do, I do look at it. And I don't. I think that the excitement for the Marlins right now is is a little premature. And I, you know, I I think that the Phillies are going to go down there. Look, the Marlins went into Atlanta for a huge series, and got and the Braves handled them pretty Humble. easily. Right. All right. Yeah. So now the Braves, the Phillies aren't the Braves by any stretch of the imagination, but the Phillies are a veteran experienced team and the Marlins are not. And I think there is something to that when you have a big series and you're young and you're trying to be trying to say, look at us, look at us, look at us. And the veteran teams, they're like, yeah, no worries. We got this. 
I, I think the Phillies are going to win the series in Miami. I really do. So it really comes down to, to me, can they win one of the next two games? If they do, I think you're going to have a very good ending to the first half before the All-Star break. Yeah, I mean, if they, counting yesterday, get get out of this week four and two, to me that's outstanding. Uh, and if they survive it and go three and three, I think you go, okay, all right, not bad. You're five games over going into the, the uh, All-Star game. You know, I saw yesterday – Kevin Nagani, VSPN, and John Kincaid had like a, a back and forth, and it wasn't contentious or anything, but the gist of it was, uh, you know, Kevin said, hey, this is the type of game that gets me excited about this Phillies team. Like, this is why I still believe in them. And, you know, John, I don't, I don't want to speak for him, but I think that the, the thinking was sort of like, yeah, okay, but they're also 11 and a half games behind the Braves. And, you know, are we really celebrating – the the Phillies who are five six games over trailing by double digits with a, a team that just came off of a, a World Series appearance with this payroll with all these veterans and I kind of agree I mean I've echoed that sentiment at points on this show but it's it's almost gotten like I'm not giving the Phillies a pass for this I'm not giving the Phillies a pass for being 11 and a half games behind Atlanta like that to me if you would have told me that in March, I would have said that that seems excessive to be that far behind this soon. But I, I also have to acknowledge what Atlanta is doing right now. I mean, they're, they're essentially 30 games over 500. If the, if the Phillies were 11 games behind Atlanta because they were six games under, you know, or, you know, Atlanta was only 11 or 12 games over 500 and they were that far behind, I'd say, okay, valid. But I mean, Atlanta's playing at a, just a, an unbelievable level. Other, right otherworldly. So, I mean, yeah. the Phillies could have an 88 90 win season and finish 15, 16 games behind the Braves at this point. So, well, I mean, the, 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 the whole I, thing. I do want the Phillies to get beyond this wild card thing, right? Like, contend yeah. for a division at some point. But I just, I'm having a hard time killing them over, over this at the moment. Yeah. And I agree with you, Bob, because it, look at it. This is the, it's very simple. They had such a great June, and we've talked about how good Philly's June was, and they lost ground in the standings. That's how good, that's how good Atlanta's been. I mean, they've been just sensational. I know they lost yesterday, but they've been sensational. And the reality of it is, is that the Phillies can still win 90 games this year, and very well may. And like you said, they may win 90 games and be well out of the division. So are you sitting there going to say, well, thank God I only had a wild card. They won 90 games. If yeah. they win 90 games this year, it'll be the first time they won 90 games since what 2011? Because what's the argument here? What's yeah, you're right. It would be for the first time since 2011, but we have to find a way to build a 107 win team. Is that right. I mean, I mean <laughs> hey, I, I, I hear you. I mean, that if that's what it takes to compete, then that's what it takes to compete. I'm not saying that the Phillies should always strive to be a 90 win team in the second wild card every year, but I don't know. I mean, if you could just build, like, is there anything the Phillies could have done this past off season to make themselves a 107 win team? Like, I no, just, I, yeah. I don't think that no. they, no. So, I mean, think about that. They're on the pace that they're on. And like I said, they could still finish as a 90 win team. And you have a handful of star players who aren't even living up to their name. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're they're doing what they're doing. They're in a playoff spot right now with Kyle Schwarber hitting 188, Bryce Harper having not hit a home run since May 25th, Trey Turner being completely underwhelming, JT Romuto having a terrible first half of the year, and Nola and Wheeler being wildly inconsistent. There are six star players who have not even come close to what they can do 
and they're still in the playoff spot. So, I mean, yeah. ultimately, you could sit there and say, well, maybe if those six guys were those six guys, you're only five games behind the Braves as opposed to 11 and a half behind the Braves, whatever. I mean, but even still, even with that, even if they're themselves, you're still behind the Braves. So that so the reality of it is, is that, yeah, maybe you're a little bit closer and maybe it's a little bit more competitive, but does it really matter in the in the grand scheme of things? If you're going to end up being five games behind them, you know, on October 1st, or if you're 11 and a half games behind them on October 1st, if you're in the playoffs, that's the most important thing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, you know, the other thing I wanted to touch on before we get out of here, because we want to kind of keep this tight. It will be over an hour uh, with the, with the interview and all uh, Nick Cassianos, you, you just named mm-hmm. all these guys underachieving. Well, here's, here's one guy who has, I don't want to say he's overachieved, but he certainly bounced back to sort of what we expected him to look like when, when they did the deal. Uh, all-star deserving all-star incredible turnaround, Something that you've been on this all year, just talking about how important he's been uh, in terms of just the production, kind of his evolution in that clubhouse. It's been widely talked about. I have to tell you, given how he started his career in Philadelphia, where he's at right now, I thought we were going to get this player when they signed him. I was not sure that we were going to get this player at the start of the year. We talked about, wow, he has to get off to a good start. He can't beat himself up. The confidence can't be lacking after two, three weeks. If he's staring at a 210 batting average, we're in trouble. And he, he came out hot. Anytime that there's been a lull, he's bounced back. I mean, he, I don't know what else to really say, but just a really impressive first half. And, man, they would be in trouble. They would be in trouble because of what you just said. Six guys underachieving. If they didn't have him going the way that he is right now, oh man. Yeah, no, I agree, and it's been a great first half for for Castellanos, and I'm 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 glad for him. I'm, I'm happy he's had had it. And, and here's the thing, Bob, and, and no one's written this, and I think maybe I'm, I don't know if I should. I guess I should try. I mean, he still is a little a little reserved when it comes to talking about himself personally a little bit, but. I think one of the successes that he's had, and this has nothing to do with on the field, but one of the successes that he's had is he's allowed himself to be viewed a little bit more vulnerably. And maybe, maybe having an, a bad season um, like he had last year, maybe that opens the eyes a little bit and, and says, you know what, it's a le- it's okay to let some of this pressure that I put on myself out there. He talks about being a perfectionist. You know, he wants routines exactly. that He's let that out. But, you know, he's also allowed for, um, you know, his relationship with his son Liam to really come kind of into the spotlight a little bit more. He's letting out a little bit of a softer side. He's always been, you know, you know, that that real overconfident dude, you know, who's going to just go out there and he's like, you know, I'm not paid to think about the game. I'm just paid to hit, you know, hit the ball, you know, that kind of thing. Like, like total, total guy like that. And now it's almost like, the offseason mellowed him last season mellowed him and it kind of became you know what it's cool for you guys to know a little bit more about me it's cool for me to let a a little bit more of my real self out he's still not completely there he's still i mean he's still nick castellanos right but there are moments where you kind of get the feeling and and the sense that that's part of it and i think that once you're comfortable enough to to let whatever you hold in normally out a little bit more I think that makes just life in general easier. You know, I think it makes it easier for anybody doing any job, but really for a bit, you know, a guy who, 
who is predicated playing a position or playing a sport that is predicated on failing more often than not, then I think that, you know, that's one where it's just like, it's easier to wipe away the bad and, and just celebrate the good. And I think that that's part of it. I think, I think it was outside of baseball and, you know, you keep talking about getting more comfortable, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, it's more than just that. It's just finding an inner peace with him that has kind of, and everybody's different, you know, not some people, you can't be this way. Right. But for him, it was, it's like, I'm going to let some of this out there. I'm not, I'm going to stop worrying about things, uh, you know, that I usually wor- used to worry about. I'm just going to let people see who I am and see if that works. And it has. It's interesting that you mentioned his introductory press conference where he talks about the, I don't have a college degree. I hit baseball yeah. because it just sounds so like caveman. Like, I, okay. Yeah. I don't think I hit, that's what yeah. I do, you know? Yeah. And it, that comment couldn't be any further from the the essence of what he is. Right. You come to find out that he he is a, a deep thinker. He's you know introspective. He's kind of a little bit philosophical in his approach. Yeah. And you really kind of find out that there's a lot of intellect and nuance to this guy. And you, that Nick Castellanos that you're getting now, it just could not be further from that that initial that initial introduction to him that we saw last spring training. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he's, it's night and day. It's almost like, you know, the guy last year was still the 22 year old brash kid coming into the major leagues. Like, you know, I'm going to come and take this world by storm. And the guy you're seeing now is a 31 year old father of two who is, you know, likes to make jokes that are kind of dad jokes in a a little bit of a way. Right. I mean, he's, he's lighthearted and, and fun. He's smiling a lot more and, you know, let's just let you in a little bit into the, into who he is. And it's a, it's a world of difference. You know, he even talked about, he made a comment when he was talking about getting elected, you know, uh, nominated to the all-star game or put into the all-star game. He made a comment about like, you know, figuring out relationships, not just within the clubhouse, but with everybody this, you know, in the city and, and even the people in the media, you know, and we know he had a big run in with with Jim Salisbury last year went viral. I mean, my mug is in that video. Right. I mean, that whole time. Uh, but, you know, that something like that, he's he's learned how not to do things like that, how not to react to things like that. Um, yeah, it's 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 unique. You know, it's it's something that I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if it's just me having been around athletes for so long and just kind of seeing the difference from one season to the next and being able to identify that, or maybe it's, it's very blatantly obvious to everybody. But the fact is, is that he's a different person. And I think being a different person allows him to be a better player. Yeah. I'm with you on that hundred percent. All right. Well, listen, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Do you, you want to do I, one last thing? I do have a one last okay. thing. All right. We'll one get to thing. a one last thing. Yeah. Sure. So I don't know if you so last night the the Padres played the uh, Angels. Um, it was a I guess that was the one of the national games, um, and it was Shohei was on the mound for for the Angels. Um, but leading up to that, uh, Juan Soto. I don't know. Did you see this, Bob? Where he I was did. Yeah, he was going to have trouble with the lineup. Yep. Yeah. So it's like it was like you know here's this guy and Soto is one of the best players in the game. There's no question about it. Um, but he comes, he comes out and he's, you know, he's asked about Otani and what it's going to be like, you know, going up against him. And his exact quote was, uh, it's impressive, but he's going to have trouble facing this lineup tomorrow. Definitely. I'm coming here to play baseball. We all know he's an impressive player, but whenever he steps on the mound, I won't be scared to shuffle his ass. Now, of course he's referring to his little, um, you know, that little, two-step thing that he does in the, in the box after he takes a ball, 
or sometimes it's a strike, but he, you know, he takes a pitch and he like hops towards the mound and kind of stares at the pitcher. Um, and, and, you know, damn it, it, he didn't do anything in the game. He went 0 for 4, right? But he got a walk. But man, the Padres were all over Otani last night. And I got to wonder, did the, did the mind game happen or are we using, you know, the Shohei post game blister? Uh, yeah, the you know, post game yeah. blister and no all star yeah, game for oh, Shohei. Yeah, oh, man. Well, he's going to hit. Yeah, he's going to oh, hit. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Swinging the bat doesn't hurt a blister, of course. Yeah. And um, they were going to proceed with caution. Yeah, but of course, you know, you throw five innings and get, you know, lit up and give up seven hits, five runs uh, to a team that's been struggling like the Padres. And they just took them. They just took them to town. I mean, Machado, who hasn't hit all year, he had a great game. Um, Cronenworth hasn't hit all year. He had a great game. Bogarts has been kind of up and down. He had a great game. I mean, they just beat him. And I'm, I'm wondering, did they find a way to get into Shohei's uh, into his noggin a little bit there? Well, you do wonder, right? Just not about Shohei Otani in particular, but. If you're a player, like baseball loves Shohei Otani, like loves yeah. him. It, it, yeah. He's every commercial, he's every social media post. And and that's great. Like we talk about how MLB hasn't marketed its stars properly over the years. Well, they, they do a good job with Shohei Otani and every writer and everybody on Twitter that we, we fawn over this guy because I mean, we've never seen anything like this before. I'm not, I'm not implying that this isn't deserved, but everything is so positive. Like we just fall all over ourselves. So then you get Juan Soto says, yeah, he's great, but like we're gonna we're gonna go get his ass, you know? And I don't know, maybe maybe that got back to him and he said, Whoa, <laughs> you know, like wait a minute. Yeah, he didn't say that I'm uh, a marvel and that that I'm the eighth wonder of the world and that this is that we're really gonna have to bear down. We're in a lot of trouble. I, I don't know, maybe there was something a little bit that, that kind of caught him off guard by that. I don't know, maybe it brushed him back a little bit, but uh, you know, credit to the Padres. If you're Juan Soto, I think maybe you're thinking to yourself, hey, we're, you know, entering this game. We're seven games under 500. We've underachieved. This is an opportunity for us to maybe change the feel of our season a little bit. Like, I don't know what's going to become of the 2023 Padres, but if they get on a run here, they get back into it, they probably point to this game. Uh, and they probably point to Juan Soto's comments leading into it and saying, this was a real turning point for us. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I'm not buying that, but I can I can go for it to that extent if it were to play out that way. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and that's the thing. I you know I I don't want to see that team wake up from the Phillies' perspective, right? I mean, because you don't want them suddenly getting into this race too. I'd rather the Phillies be racing against the Giants and the Marlins uh, and the Brewers than I would the Padres realizing, oh man, we are, we have a world of talent. Let's get back into this thing. Do you know you the know, Mets, by the way, in the last four days have cut their deficit from like 10 to six and a half. So the, yeah. Met, the Mets have even kind of crawled back into they ain't got anywhere. I know. <laughs> they're in the rear view mirror now i can see them yeah. they're like a little speck in the yeah no the i i have mirror. i would be more worried about the padres than i would be about the yes, Mets. i'm with but, you on that put it that way so all right well listen thank you for uh checking us out if uh, you're a first time listener you can follow us on twitter at up phillies the show account at Ant Sand Phillies, where you can find Anthony, and then I'm at Bob Wankel CB. You can check us out on YouTube. You can also follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you get your shows. Uh, thanks for listening. We will be back uh, on our normal schedule Friday morning following this Rays series leading into the final series of the first half, if you want to call it that, prior to the All Star break. So for Anthony Sanfilippo, I'm Bob Wankel, and we will talk to you soon.